0: Good morning. I'm thrilled uh, to open up God's word with you this morning. My name is Britton Taylor. I have the honor of serving as location pastor here at McLean Bible Church Loudoun. And today we continue in a sermon series through the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Uh, I've really appreciated the rhythm of stopping and preparing our hearts for the preaching of God's word. So before we dive in, could we just take a few moments of silence and ask God to speak to us? So would you bow with me and just take a moment in the stillness in this room and ask God to speak to you in a personal and powerful way. Heavenly Father, your word tells us that you meet with us in a very powerful way when we open up your word. In fact, you tell us what Abby just read. Nehemiah 2 is literally breathed out by you. It's the, the breath of God, the Lord of heaven and earth. And so we stop in this moment and we acknowledge our great need for you And we ask, God, in your grace and your mercy in our life, will you speak to each of us? Will you move in very clear ways in each of our lives? Would you redeem and restore and do it all for your glory? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it was a few months ago, my wife and I were sitting in our living room and we had a nice fire going in the fireplace. And for some reason, my wife was thumbing through pictures of puppies. Now you need to get the setting because we're sitting there. It's a beautiful evening, beautiful fire. The younger kids are in bed. The older ones are preparing for the following day. We have one little docile dog that sleeps 23 and a half hours a day. He's gloriously potty trained uh, and he's sitting there laid out next to us, snoring a little bit. And for some reason, Brooke is thumbing through pictures of puppies, much like this picture right here. And much like this picture as well. Let's see if number three can do the same thing. And then this picture. And I looked at my wife in that moment and I said, let's do it. (laughs) And I don't know really what happened after that. It's a blur. There's moments of, I don't know where I was. I just remember being in the car crossing state lines to go get one of those. And we pulled up into a driveway of a house and there was a guy, an enemy of my family, I mean, a really nice man standing there holding a puppy and, and looking back, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing. He walked over to my 16-year-old and put this puppy in my 16-year-old's lap and all of my boys, the four of my five boys who were with us started squealing and oohing and aahing and they were like, you know, they were arguing over who's gonna care for this little puppy and, and, and we drove back to uh, Loudoun County and, and, and this puppy, uh, they, were, they continued to squeal and oo and ah, and we get back and we named this little devil, I mean, we named this little puppy Jolene, Jolene. I wanna introduce you to Jolene. That was three months ago And oh, how things have changed. One night this past week, I looked at my wife after the category five hurricane had hit our living room, otherwise known as Jolene. She had destroyed our house and she had broken me. I was a defeated man in my own living room. And I looked at my wife and I asked, what have we done? It's a valid question, is it not? As we're sitting in the disaster of our living room, the puppy's destruction, the rubble, the piles, the puddles, everything, this sweet little puppy looked back at me and I thought, the lies. <laughs> the the false advertisement. Look at this picture again. Let's go back. That's <laughs> false advertisement. The question I asked in that moment is, what have we done? Now, that's a lagging question, is it not? It's looking back. It's examining the past events and decisions. It's seeking explanations for why things are the way they are. And in all seriousness, if I can go and take a hard turn from humor to being rigorously honest in this space, in this worship gathering... We can't help but at times look at our lives around us, look at our city around us, even our church at times, and ask the question, how did we get here? What have we done? Some of the struggles we are facing today are due to our own bad decisions, while some of the troubles in our lives are because of bad decisions of others. And some of the difficulties that we face in our life comes from just the sovereign hand of a loving God who's conforming us to the image of his son by using trials and suffering. And, but all of it simply because we live in a broken world. What have we done? It's a lagging question. It's looking back. Maybe a better question is what can we do? What can we do? Now that's a leading question. I like that question because now we're looking forward. We're looking at potential. We're we're not just fixated on the problems, but we're shifting our focus to the possibilities. But even that isn't the question, is it not? That's not the question we're asking in this journey through the book of Nehemiah. We're not asking, what have we done? We're not even asking, what can we do? The question on the table for us in this sermon series through the book of Nehemiah is what can God do? What can God do? Let that one just sink down into your hearts right now. What can God do in your life? What can God do in our church? We saw this last Sunday. Nehemiah turns to God in prayer and he prays in Nehemiah chapter one, verse five. He says, "O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. What could that God do in your life? What could the Lord God of heaven do in the emerging generations in our culture? What could the Lord God of heaven do? What what could the great and awesome God do in our city, in our county, among the nations, the great and awesome God? And yes, in our church, What could God do in our church? And and we've asked that question from McLean Bible Church, but today I wanna ask the question, what could God do in McLean Bible Church Loudon? What could God do in our congregation? These past two weeks, we've had that question before us. It's it's been the backdrop to our study through the book of Nehemiah. What can God do? And we're in the beginning stages of getting an answer to that question. And in one sense, the answer to that question is, whatever he chooses (laughs) He's God. But what we have in Nehemiah is we're providing a framework for us to take part in the Lord's work in the Lord's way. Let me say that again. And Nehemiah is providing us a framework for us to take part in the Lord's work in the Lord's way. How does God restore? How does God rebuild in our life? How does God use our lives to rebuild and restore through us? And we saw to to begin to be this the question, I mean, the answer to this question began to be developed last week in chapter one. And I want to revisit those quickly because they're critical steps as we seek to get an answer to the question what can God do? In Nehemiah chapter one, you might remember if you were with us the past couple of weeks, Nehemiah is in Persia, he's in present day Iran. He's in a position of influence. He's one in one of the most trusted uh, officials in the king's court. And he was in the position of influence when he got news about God's people. When he got news about Jerusalem. In verse 3, it says that the, the, they said to me, they said to Nehemiah, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The walls had remained in ruin for almost a century and a half. And very much related to that reality, the people of God were in great trouble and shame. And listen, because of a mixture of apathy and fear, the Jews had failed to restore and to rebuild what God wanted them to And so Nehemiah hears the news and he sits down and he weeps. That's what we saw in verse four. He wept and mourned for days. When you answer the question, what can God do? The answer begins as a concern. You can write that down. It begins as a concern. You hear something or you see something and it grabs your attention. It doesn't sit well with you. In fact, it moves your emotional needle. It might be the burden of the brokenness around you. It might be seeing the injustice around us in our world or just the spiritual emptiness of our day. It might be the unrealized potential for our lives to count for the glory of God, but there's a concern for what you see. There's a concern for what is. And I can humbly submit to you today that if there is no concern in your life, you are either not seeing things as God sees them or you're not hearing them as God hears them. Church, we are the redeemed. We are the restored. Redeemed literally means brought back. We've been bought back by the blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed into right relationship with the King of Kings. And God has restored us by grace through faith in Jesus so that we can be a part of his restoring work in the world. And if we go through our days without deep concern for what we are seeing, without deep concern for what we are hearing, then we have a spiritual problem. The Lord saved me when I was about 20 years of age. Before salvation, before God bought me back and redeemed me into right relationship with him, I would hang out in bars and nightclubs. And I remember going and chasing after every temporary pleasure this world had to offer. And the Lord saved me rather dramatically as a young man. And almost overnight, my life changed in some pretty remarkable ways. And I remember going out one night after I started following Jesus, after I had been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and I went out and and was in that space where where I used to chase after those temporary pleasures. And now that space to me was really sad and lonely. I remember looking up one night and experiencing so much sorrow for the state of people's lives. I remember seeing for the first time people made in the image of God, broken and needy for God's gracious intervention in their life. For Jesus to save their soul, it began as a concern. Years later, I was visiting Istanbul, Turkey. I was walking through the streets of this city of 15 million people. Less than 1% followers of Jesus. And I remember just seeing those faces and I was wrecked. And I went that night and I remember typing out a note to my wife, Brooke, and telling her, I believe that God is calling us to spend our lives, at least a season of our lives among unreached Muslims, sharing the hope that we have in the resurrection of Jesus. It started, it begins as a concern. There's a holy dissatisfaction with the way things are. And Nehemiah is weeping over what is. And so the question today is what do you weep over? What do you see that causes tears to well up in your eyes? What's the brokenness that is just a heavy concern in your own heart? Students, when you walked through the halls of your school, what do you see? Do you see what God sees? Is there concern? Do do you hear what God hears? Is there a burden? This answer to the question, what can God do, begins as a concern. And for some of us, we don't have tears. And for some of us, we don't have tears because our hearts are dull to the things of God. We are so busy in Loudoun County And we run at a breakneck speed that our hearts have grown dull to that which breaks the heart of God. And if we're gonna ask a question, what can God do in your life? And ask the question, what can God do in our church? Then we're gonna have to slow down and spend some time with the Almighty and let what presses in on his heart press in on our heart. Some of us don't have tears because our hearts are dull. Some of us don't have concern because our hearts are distracted. And if that's you today, then my invitation for you right here, right now, you don't even have to wait to the response time is turn back to God. By his grace, right now, offer up a prayer of faith and say, Lord Jesus, I turn back to you. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear as you do. One author has said it this way. He said, let us learn this lesson from Nehemiah. You never lighten the load unless you first have felt the pressure in your own soul. You're never used of God to bring blessing until God has opened up your eyes and made you see things as they are. There's no other preparation for Christian work than that. Nehemiah was called to build the wall, but first he had to weep over the ruins. It begins with concern. Number two, it's birthed through prayer. It's birthed through prayer. And this is where I would point you to last week's sermon from our lead pastor, Mike Kelsey. If you were not able to sit under the preaching of God's word last week, I urge you to go back and listen to that sermon because the answer to the question, what God can do is birthed through prayer. The rest of chapter one, we saw last week as we studied through that chapter, the rest of it is a prayer out of a concerned heart. And we pick up in chapter two of Nehemiah this week in chapter two, verse one says in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. You might remember the story starts in the month of Kislev, which is November, December in our calendar. That's when Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem. He heard about the condition of the people there. And it's now in chapter two, it's the month of Nisan, which is the month of March or April in our calendar. That's four months, ladies and gentlemen. That's four months, students of praying and weeping and fasting before God, pleading with God to do something about the concern that was birthed in his heart. So notice that he didn't just bust out the back door and run across the, the deserts to get to Jerusalem the first time he heard about it. In fact, we don't even have anything recorded in the book of Nehemiah that he shared his concern with others. It seems based upon this text, he just continued on with his day-to-day responsibilities and he prayed, and he prayed. When God is calling you to something, when God is calling us to something, he must prepare us for it. He must prepare us for it. So what I'm trying to tell you is this, and you can write this down. Waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting time is not wasted wasted time. Some of you have been praying and pleading with God. There's a concern in your heart that you have labored for years. And I want you to hear me. Your time of waiting on the Lord to move is not wasted time. It's not wasted time. Just because you have an idea for God doesn't mean it's a green light go. In fact, oftentimes when God moves, it doesn't require immediate action. You see, Nehemiah needed the help of God. So he knew that he needed to draw near to the heart of God. And those four months were not wasted. I remember January 2022. This was over two years ago. Our church, our congregation was still recovering from COVID just months before some vital staff members had left the team to pursue other ministries. Some of you who live these days with us, you remember these days. They were they were difficult. They were hard. They were pressing, um, and and. And our church was dealing with a lawsuit. We had already been searching for a building, but nothing was suitable for our needs. I mean, for our needs. And and then we received a call in January of 2022. Some of you remember this. We we received a call from our landlord and it said, "You have nine months to vacate the building that McLean Bible Church at Loudon had utilized for 14 years to gather for worship and ministry." Now, we were already looking for another building, another property to better position us in Loudoun County, but can we just keep it real? Nine months is a pretty short runway. Especially realizing that I stepped into this role with somebody handing me a notebook full of properties that had been looked at before I even stepped into the role in summer of 2020 that just didn't work for one reason or the other. So here we are in January of 2022 We just go all in to find a property, but what was presented to us was either uh, it wasn't well positioned or it didn't allow us the growth that we believe God was going to bring us. And after a disappointing season of searching, the decision was made for us to become mobile church. And, And we had our concerns. If you're honest with your location, pastor, you had some concerns. We talked to other churches who were doing mobile churches and we learned what to expect. Our situation was unique. Here's, here's the rhythm of how things usually typically happen. A church begins to gather in a mobile setting. They, they start out in a mobile setting and after some years, they move into some permanent space. We did the exact opposite of that. We decided to meet in a permanent space for 14 years and then move into mobile church. And everybody said, you just need to be ready. This is going to be difficult. And you're going to lose people. And here I stand before you in February of 2024. And by God's grace, we are reaching more and more people in Loudoun County in this congregation. We are larger. We are growing. There's more people finding hope in Jesus there is a consistent theme that this spiritual family, this church family provides a warmth and hospitality, a hope where we can be real and honest about our shortcomings and find the grace of God to meet us in these gatherings. That's what God has done. And I remember that first Sunday driving up to the academies of Loudoun to set up for worship and ministry. And here's a picture of what we saw that first Sunday. This is a picture of everybody who had started the work who said, I'll put my hands to the plow. I'll come and I won't just seek God. I will serve the church and I will be a part of setting it up and pulling off worship and ministry in a mobile setting and then tearing it down and coming back the next week and doing it over and over and over again. And you all have experienced the grace of God in this season. NBC Loudon, listen, waiting and praying for our long-term home is not wasted time. In our search for a new church building, God has been very present and very faithful through this time of mobile church. Our church has increased in numbers. More people are getting baptized. People have stepped up and served in sacrificial ways. The Lord has blessed us. And I'm not sure how much longer we'll be mobile church, but we can trust God with that. In fact, just recently, There was a a property that was presented to our elders by our real estate team to consider for purchase. This property would position us in a high growth area of Loudoun County and it would provide us with long-term growth potential. And yes, as you can imagine, for those of you who live in Loudoun County, there's a number of components that would be required for a purchase and, and we're working on a plan to present that to our church family Not just the property, but those components. But in the meantime, listen, waiting time is not wasted time. What can God do? What can God do in our church? The answer is birthed through prayer. And not just one quick shot prayer, there's seasons of waiting in the Christian life. There's seasons of trusting despite the fact that we haven't got the answer yet. And as we wait, God continues to move in our church family. This season has shaped us in ways that has already positioned us to be a better gospel outpost in in Loudoun County. Do you realize that? The, the, The work of the Lord in this season has already shaped us in ways that has better positioned us to reach more people in Loudoun County. In this season, God has matured us in ways that we will, that I believe will bring him glory for generations to come. Francis Schaeffer says it this way. If Christians win a battle by using worldly means, they have already lost. On the other hand, when we seem to lose a battle while waiting on God, in reality, we have won. The world may mistakenly say they have lost, But if God's people seem to be beaten in a specific battle, not because of sin or a lack of commitment or a lack of prayer or a lack of paying a price, but because they have waited on God and refused to resort to the flesh, then they have won. Then they have won. So it begins as a concern, it's birthed through prayer. And we need to pick up the pace in Nehemiah chapter one, chapter two, verse one says in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, most commentators believe that this is a time of festival in chapter two. The good times are flowing, if you know what I mean. And, and it says, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. Nehemiah, the cupbearer, was close to the king. He was close enough that the king immediately knew something wasn't right. Four months of praying, four months of weeping, four months of continually just fasting before the Lord had an effect on this man. It made him look sad. He was dissatisfied with the way things were. His inner emotions were reflected in his outward appearance, and this had never happened before in the king's presence. In verse 2, and the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing that you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. The king noticed. People are having a good time, celebration, and Nehemiah is sad. Nehemiah is down and he asked What's wrong? And Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid. Very much afraid. The reason for this fear is not specifically given in the text. Maybe because being sad uh, before the king in a festive circumstances could anger the king. And if you've done a little bit of history, you know these guys were not the most stable dudes in all of history. <laughs> or maybe it was the great moment that Nehemiah had prayed for. And he, he sensed there was fear. Fear. In verse three, it said, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? In verse four, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. It begins with concern. It's birthed through prayer. And listen, it's initiated by faith what can God do is initiated by faith. This was his big moment. It had arrived. And what is his knee jerk reaction relationship with God? What's his immediate response? I need to talk to the King of Kings. And he prayed, listen, he was keenly aware of his need before the God of heaven. He was aware of this man's power that was standing before him, but he was more aware of God's power that was above him. And we need to recognize the same in our lives and in our church. No matter where you are in life, God is to be trusted. To believe by faith that he can and will act according to his good plans and and purposes for your life. You can trust God and you can walk by faith in his perfect love for you that is displayed on the cross of Jesus Christ. This is Romans eight, is it not? Some of us who have studied Romans chapter eight, you might recall this verse, verse 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The God of heaven has provided for you in your deepest and greatest need. He has given you his own son. The eternally glorious son of God has been given for us all. And even though we all deserved judgment because we had turned away from God and we refused to live our life under the wonderful rule and reign of God, instead of judgment, listen, God extends mercy and grace through the person and work of Jesus and through his death on the cross and through his powerful resurrection for all of us who trust in him we've been redeemed, we've been restored. And Romans says, if God gave you the son, how will he not also give you everything else you need? I love Nehemiah's raw faith here. He's not trying to be impressive. He he, he wasn't a ball of anxiety trying to gain control of a scary situation. He was walking by faith and wisdom toward God and he displayed that through his life. It was initiated by faith. The most powerful man on the planet asked him, what are you requesting? And before words came off of his lips, Nehemiah went to God. It begins as a concern. It's birthed through prayer. It's initiated by faith and also it's orchestrated by God. What can God do in your life? What can God do in this church? The answer to that will be orchestrated by God himself. And I don't want you to miss the gravity of this moment. Nehemiah is before the most powerful man on earth. And that man asked Nehemiah, what are you requesting? Think about how God has sovereignly placed Nehemiah right there for that moment. Now, to be clear, Nehemiah has planned. To be clear, he's strategically planned up to this point. Just listen over these few verses and see if you can pick up the plans that he had already made. Verse five, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's graves that I may rebuild it. Step one of his plan, convince the king to give him a leave of absence for a specific time frame. In verse six, it says, and the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. He gave him a specific time. It pleased the king to, to, to give him that time. Step one of the strategic plan, check. Green light go. But he doesn't stop there. Verse seven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, the letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the rivers that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. Step two, procure letters from the king to the governors in the surrounding areas to provide safe travel. And he he went for broke on this next one. He said, hey, if you're gonna do that, let's, let's keep talking. Verse eight, a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give the timber to make the beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. Step three, work out a deal with this dude named Asaph to procure enough lumber to build the city gates and a house. And the king granted me what I asked for. And pay attention to that last phrase, for the good hand of my God was upon me. All of his strategic plans granted by the king. And we're gonna come back to that phrase, the good hand of my God was upon me, but I need you to hear He strategically planned as we should. Just because God's orchestrating it doesn't mean that we sit back and do nothing. Just because you're growing concern in your heart and it's being birthed through prayer, that doesn't mean you just sit back in the recliner and do nothing. We should strategically plan. We should plan well. We should work hard. We should wisely consider the best practices moving forward. As a church family, we should consider wise practices as to how we're going to reach and disciple and mobilize emerging generations in our culture. Should we not? You don't just sit back and wait. You strategize, you plan. But in all of that, you know, the answer to the question, what can God do, is orchestrated by God. The next two, I'm gonna move quickly, but between verses eight and verses nine, there's about a four-month span that was the journey from Persia back to Jerusalem. Verse nine, it says, then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. What can God do in your life? The answer to that question will face opposition. It will face opposition. What can God do in McLean Bible Church Loudoun? The answer to that question will face opposition. And we're gonna see this expanded more in Nehemiah chapter four. But Nehemiah was prepared for the opposition, was he not? He asked the king for letters. And now he meets that opposition face-to-face. And I wanna tell you to be prepared when there begins to be a concern in your heart for what God is concerned about. And when you step out in faith to be used of God to redeem and to restore, you will face opposition. It's not, not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that's the truth. Listen, we're gonna pick up more on that theme in the coming weeks through our sermon series. But I also, I want you to see finally, when we're answering the question, what can God do? The answer to that question operates out of humility. It operates out of humility. Verse 11, it says, So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I rose in the night, I had a few men with me and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. He had letters from the most powerful man on the planet and he didn't come in showboating. He didn't come in waving it in everybody's face and being like, you guys need to get in line here. Because what God can do always operates out of humility. Humility. Out of humility. There's not a prideful arrogance of our heart that's out there making much of ourself and co-opting the message of God, the work of God to, to be something big and important. There's a humility operating here. It goes on to say, verse 13, I went out by, uh, by night by the valley gate to, to the dragon uh, spring and to the g- dung gate. I'm guessing you don't wanna live close to that gate. Um, And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on the fountain gate onto the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and it inspected the wall and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials uh, did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, just see the, the humility he's operating with here. In verse seven, he said, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. He goes from per- first, person, pros, pers- uh, first person pronoun I to now we. <laughs> Nehemiah has the humility in him to know what God can do is, not, is gonna require more than just me. It's gonna require the we. But he also realized this isn't Nehemiah's show. God alone was in charge. God was leading them forward. He wasn't slinging around his accolades. He wasn't waving his rights as a leader. He goes from what God has called him to do to what God has called them to do. In verse 18, I told them of the hand of my God that had been on me for good. And also the words that the king had spoken to me and and they said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. And then in verse 19, the opposition voiced their displeasure again. And Nehemiah replies in verse 20, the God of heavens will make us prosper. We are his servants. We are his servants. And we, his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. This wasn't about making a great name for Nehemiah. And this isn't about making a great name for anyone at McLean Bible Church. What God can do, the answer to that question operates out of humility. It operates out of humility. Nehemiah is not going in strong arming people. He's not manipulating the crowds. He's not coercing them. He's He's not controlling them. He's coming in as a servant. He's coming in as a servant. It begins as a concern. It's birthed through prayer. It's initiated by faith. It's orchestrated by God. It will face opposition and it operates out of humility. What can God do in your life? What can God do in our church? In closing, what I wanna do is zero in on what might be one of the most important phrases in the book of Nehemiah. And what I wanna do is just give us some space, a few moments to spend time in prayer together as a church family. That phrase is mentioned in verse eight. It says, the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. Verse 18, he mentions it again. He's told them, the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And that phrase is not just critical for you to understand the book of Nehemiah. That phrase is critical for you to answer the question, what can God do? What can God do? Nehemiah realized he was in desperate need of the good hand of God. And can I tell you something, church family? The operating system in Loudoun County is usually pulled together the greatest resumes, the greatest accolades, the movers and the shakers. And we can do all of that and we can see what we can do. But if we're gonna see what God can do, we're gonna need the good hand of our God to be upon us. If you're gonna see what God can do in your life, you're going to need the good hand of God upon you. And so in response today, I want to give you just a few moments of prayer. Julia's is going to play and we're just going to give you a few moments. Nobody's talking, nobody's singing, but I want to give you an opportunity in your life for you to pray for God's good hand to be upon you. For some of you, this response needs to be turning from yourself, turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus. God's good hand begins by his grace invading our lives and open up our hearts to believe on the Lord Jesus. And so I invite you, even now, if that is you, if that's the response you need, then you bow your head right now and you surrender it all to the King of Kings. And you embrace the gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus, the gift of salvation. But for those of us who have trusted, let's pray that our life would be marked by God's good hand being upon us. And not just in our life, but in our church, could we spend a few unhurried moments to pray for God's good hand, to not just be upon you, but to be upon us more than a building more than new programs more than a slick strategy we need the we need the hand of God to be upon us so I want to give you a few moments just right there in the stillness of this moment to pray in response of God's word and after a few moments Jess and the team will come up and they'll lead us in a song of worship